All right, today we're in Lesson 26. We're going to uh, finish up Numbers, and we're going to talk about some more things about the preparation for Israel to go into uh, Canaan and some rules that and laws that God commanded them through Moses. Okay, so again, we're going to look at chapters 32 through chapters 36, verse 13. So this is the last five chapters. Now, we're not going to read all of that. That's a lot of material for us to cover. So I'm just going to kind of go through it with you to help you to understand what we're talking about here. Now, chapter 32 is devoted to the eastern tribes, what will be known as the eastern tribes. So this is three of the tribes of the 12 who make a decision. Remember, they have taken the land that the Amorite kings, Og and Shion, had. And so some of these tribes who were there, they, they, wanna, they, want, they have a proposal they want to make to Moses. Okay, so you're going to see that in chapter 32. So let's, let's take a look here. The tribes of Reuben and Gad were especially blessed with large herds and flocks. So these were definitely herdsmen. And of all the tribes who were there, they had major herds of cattle and flocks of sheep and goats. So these tribes desired to remain east of the Jordan because of the suitable pasture fields. So the land that they took from the Amorites was pretty good for their flocks grazing and their herds grazing. So they desired, you know, they wanted to stay there rather than go into the land they wanted to stay east of the Jordan and stay in this land, okay? Now, so they go to Moses and said, give us this as our inheritance. Now, Moses was angered because he felt that they would not help the other tribes take the land. So the first reaction from Moses is, you've got to be kidding me. We've got to go into the land. All of us need to be there to take, wipe out, to eliminate the Canaanites so we can take the land that God has promised us. And you folks want to stay behind? He was assuming that these guys were basically wanting to get out of the battle. Because what has already been taken, first of all, who took what they took? All of them took it. And so now they're going to go take Canaan and the three Two, these two especially, these two tribes say, no, no, we want to stay. All right, so I think there must have been somebody wise among these tribes because they came, they, they figured this would happen. So they responded that they had no desire to evade the conquest of the land. So the first thing they say is to Moses, Moses, we're not seeking to get out of our responsibility. Okay, so the first thing, calm down. We're still going to do what we're supposed to do. We're not seeking to get out of helping our brethren take the land. Okay? So they would provide, here's what they said, if, if you do this, we'll provide pens for our herds, livestock, and fortifications to protect our families. So here's what we'll do. We'll get ready. We'll provide pens for our livestock, and we'll provide fortifications to protect our families. And we'll go into battle, okay? We'll go with you over to take the land. Our families will be taken care of. Our herds will be taken care of. We'll go with you, 
So Moses agreed to the plan and gave them the Transjordan as their inheritance. All right, now let's, let me just stop for a moment. So this is the area on the other side of the Jordan River. So this is significant. This is, from the very beginning, the Jews consider this part of their inheritance. Okay? Which, by the way, folks, what is that known as today? That's known as the West Bank. Okay? Now, do you understand this is going back several thousand years of a claim on that land? Okay? Several thousand years of a claim on that land. So Moses agreed to this plan and gave them the Transjordan as their inheritance. Okay? Now, they stated that they would, he also stated that, he stated that they would sin against God by not supporting the other tribes in the conquest. In fact, I want you to look with me at that, what is said there. Look with me, Numbers, he says, Moses told them, let me go back to chapter 32, that if they didn't do this, that they would be sinning against God, and not only that, God would find out their sin. That there is, verse 23, you're right, Tim. If you do not do this, then take note, you have sinned against God, and be sure your sin will find you out. Now that's an interesting phrase. Be sure your sin will find you out. That's oftentimes repeated through the scripture, that you're, you ultimately are going to face the consequences of your sin. That's true for even us, right? You're going to face, well, you and I sin every day like we just sin. Well, the fact is, sin always has a consequence, and sooner or later, you're going to find out what your sin, your sin's going to find you out. Your sin, you're going to face the consequences of that. Reuben, Gad, and Manassas, the half-tribe of Manassas, received that which belonged to the Amorite kings, Sion and Og. So they were given, those three tribes, the half-tribe of Manassas, Reuben and Gad were given that property, the Transjordan. Okay. All right, so then we come to chapter 33, and I just have one statement to make about chapter 33. I'm not going to get into a lot there. At the Lord's command, Moses kept a complete record of their journey from Egypt to Moab. Okay? So Moses kept a complete record. So that's what you're going to see in chapter 33, is really where they went. Okay? So, all right, let's say if we were taking a road trip, let's say we decided we were going to go to Clarion, all right? But you made many stops in between here and Clarion. So you went to, you got to Dubois. And you decided when you were at Dubois, you were going to stop at Eaton Park. And then after you got out of Eaton Park, because that's real close to Aldi's, you went into Aldi's. And by the way, because you were in Aldi's, you didn't find what you want, you went all the way over to Walmart. Then you got ready to go get on the highway to drive over to Clarion. So on your way, you thought, well, you know, let's stop by Sheets. I got to free something in the email. And so you stop by Sheets, and then you get on the highway, and then you head over to Clarion. Well, let's say you decided to keep a record of everywhere you stopped before you hit Clarion. 
and how long you were there. That's what's going on here in chapter 33, okay? Now we come to chapter 34, and we're going to see some instructions. Well, 33, verse 50 through 36, we're going to see some final instructions about what they're to do when they hit the conquest. So this is Moses giving them some final instructions, okay? First of all, concerning the Canaanites. So these are instructions concerning what they're to do with the Canaanite people, all right? Moses instructed Israel to drive the Canaanites out of the land and destroy their idols. Right off the bat, drive them out of the land, take what's theirs, and most importantly, you destroy their idols. Okay? Destroy their idols. Now, we already know, folks, how'd they do with that? No, they didn't. In fact, what you're going to find, even when we get to the Joshua and Judges, they weren't able to drive them all out of the land. And they sure didn't destroy all their idols. Why? Because their idols actually proved too big a temptation for Israel. Okay? And so they ended up worshiping them. Here's the other one. They were to especially destroy the high places of the Canaanites. Now, what is a high place? Well, usually on every hill, there would be some sort of a sacred tree, and they would make their sacrifices and worship their Canaanite gods at these high places. Now, rather than destroying these high places, what Israel would end up doing is, is adopting them. And a lot of times, on these high places, they would do both. They would worship Yahweh, as well as they would worship the Canaanite gods. Let me just kind of explain to you the sin of the Israelites later on, and by the time we get to where the Babylonians come in and destroy them, is that they didn't just worship the Lord. They would worship the Lord. But they also worship the Canaanite gods along with the Lord. Did you understand what I'm saying? It's not that they didn't worship the Lord. They didn't devote themselves totally to the Lord because their hearts were divided the whole time worshiping these Canaanite gods. Okay? Worshiping these Canaanite gods. So they were to especially destroy these high places. Well, they didn't. We'll see that later. Okay? Alright, when this was accomplished... Israel was to take possession of the land and settle in it. So when they drove out the Canaanites, either wiped them all out, drove them out, destroyed their idols, their high places, God had promised them that they would go into and just take over the olive groves, take over you know, the orchards, take over the fields, take over homes that were already built. They would just take them over. Okay, everything was ready for them. Okay? Now, the territory, that is the territory of Israel, assigned to Israel was to have precisely divine, defined borders. Now, this is interesting. In Numbers, it precisely defines what borders each tribe was supposed to have in Israel. God, right down to the very little minute detail, defined what the borders of Israel was in the land. Okay? So what the borders were. 
The oversight of the distribution of the land fell to Eleazar the priest, the high priest, and to Joshua. So these two guys, Joshua, who's supposed to take over from Moses, and the high priest were to oversee the distribution of the land. All right, so they were to oversee the distribution of the land. And they delegated the distribution of the land to a leader from each of the 12 tribes in order to assist them. Now, when you look at the list of names, you'll notice for Judah, it's a guy by the name of Caleb. Remember who Caleb is? He's one of the two spies that didn't that wanted to go into the land, told the Israelites to go into the land, but they listened to the other ten and they end up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years as a punishment. So he's one of the twelve. Alright, so he's one of the twelve. When we get into the book of Joshua, Caleb's going to come back to the forefront again. He's going to make that statement, I want that mountain. Okay, so here we go. Alright, next one. The Levites, remember, they didn't have a portion that they were getting. They didn't have a territory that they were getting. But that doesn't mean that they didn't have something that the Lord wanted them to have. So the Levites had to receive some provision so that they could function among the tribes. Now, see, the Levites had a special job. They didn't just have to serve Israel in the tabernacle. They had to have a role in keeping Israel in line throughout the whole of the nation. So they would be spread out through all of the nation to guide Israel in their understanding of God's word and in their worship of the Lord. Now, when we get to Judges, we're going to see that that is perverted in some sense. We'll talk about that when we get to Judges. So the Levites had to receive some provision so that they could function among the tribes. They were given towns throughout the land where they could serve the Lord and Israel. So they were given specific towns, they would call them cities, throughout Israel that were basically devoted to them. Now when you look at it, when you look at the text, they were given these towns and a certain amount of property around the towns so that they could, what, have flocks and have their crops and so forth. Okay? So that was what was given to them. All right, so the total number of towns that were allocated to the tribe of Levi were 48. So they had 48 towns throughout the tribes of Israel. Okay? 48 throughout the tribes of Israel. Now, of these 48, there were going to be some special towns. We're going to talk about that now. The text talks about this. Six of these cities or towns would be cities of refuge to which manslayers might flee. Six of these towns would be places where somebody who is a manslayer might flee. Now, what is a manslayer? The, the scripture uses the term manslayer. Yeah, manslaughter. Okay. So let's say I'm, I'm working with Rob. Rob and I are doing, we're working out here fixing something. And I'm swinging a hammer, and I got a claw hammer, and I swing back, and Rob's right behind me, and I crack him on the skull and kill him. Okay? 
You know, makes you want to work with me now, right? Rob? Okay. Alright, so what would happen in Israel is if I did that, I need to immediately head to a city of refuge. Okay? Why? Because Rob's relatives would come after me. Why? Remember, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Do you know what I'm saying? The law of retribution. The law of retribution, because I killed him, even though it was an accident, maybe Rob was hanging around too close to me. Do you know what I'm saying? The law of retribution required that I have to give my life for Rob's. And so I would have to head to one of these cities of refuge. Now, there were six of these cities located throughout the land of Israel. So you could make it there in a day, probably, to one of those cities. All right? You could make it there in a day. In these cities, those accused of manslaughter could find sanctuary among the Levites. You would go to this city, and the Levites would take care of you. Okay? The Levites would take care of you. If someone accidentally killed someone, he had to flee to a city or be killed by an avenger. See, that's what's going on there, is the concept of Rob's, let's say, Rob's brother decides to go after me, one of his brothers, he's considered an avenger. He is avenging the death of Rob. All right? He's avenging the death of Rob. So if I don't head to this city, I'm putting my own life in risk because one day his brother is going to come and get me. All right? His brother is going to come and get me. The accused would have to remain in the city until the death of the high priest. So the, so the guy who killed, so if I killed Rob, I would have to stay there until the death of the high priest. Now why is that significant? Because when the high priest dies, then that, he, he is the one who makes atonement for sin. That means that sin of killing is then atoned for. But you don't know how long the high priest is going to live, do you? You know what I'm saying? You might get there in the early part of his tenure. You know, you know what I'm saying? And so you just need to realize that. Now, let's just stop for a moment because a lot of times in the news, we will see what's known as honor killings out in the Middle East or in India. Have you, heard, have you seen that on the news, honor killings? This is what we're talking about here. It's about avenging, keeping honor because of a slight made against a family. That's what's going on here. These are ancient laws that folks are still adhering to. All right, so in the case of murder, now let's say it wasn't manslaughter. Let's say I'm mad at Rob. I want to take him out, okay, and I kill him, all right? In the case of murder, there needed to be witnesses in order to establish, in order for guilt to be established. So there needed to be witnesses. In order for it to be defined as murder, there had to be witnesses to the fact that I killed Rob. All right? That I had an attitude. Take this. You know what I'm saying? And hit him with a hammer. Having only one witness alone was not enough to convict of murder. You had to have how many, at least how many witnesses, folks? Two, 
and their stories had to match up. Just having one witness was not enough. Isn't that pretty smart? Okay. Let's say I did hit Rob with a hammer and accidentally killed him, so it's manslaughter. But Bruce has got an attitude towards me, and he says, well, I saw him, and he was saying, take this, Rob, you've been a pain to me, and he was saying I did it intentionally. But he's the only one who saw it, but that's Bruce's way of getting back at me. You know what I'm saying? He's accusing me of murdering him. Well, that wouldn't hold up because it's only Bruce who would make that story. Do you understand? Now, if Bruce and Denny both saw it and both said, yeah, we heard him, here's what he said, you know, then that would be murder, okay? Murder. Now, here's the interesting thing. According to the law of Israel that God had given them, a murderer could not merely pay a fine or otherwise redeem himself. There's no way, when you murder somebody, you can't just, oh, well, I'll, I'll pay you whatever, I'll do whatever to redeem myself. He must die. The guy who kills somebody had to die. Okay, if it's murder, he must die. He had to pay the penalty for what he did. Now, now we get back to, remember last week we talked about these girls whose dad took part in the rebellion of Korah and they went and said to Moses, how is it that our family is not going to receive an inheritance because our father died before he could go and receive it? And then, of course, the Lord said, give them a portion among their, her, their father's brothers, and it was allowed, and that was then established as a rule, a law, about who in the family would take over from somebody who had no male, male heirs. Now the question arises, okay, so here we are, we're giving out this land, here are these folks who are from uh, a certain tribe, these girls, what if they marry somebody from another tribe, okay? Let's say they're, fr they're from a certain tribe, but they marry somebody from another tribe, what happens to that property now? Because then that property becomes the ownership of the other tribe. Okay, so if you're in Judah and you don't have any heirs and your daughter receives your inheritance and somebody from Manasseh marries your daughter, then that property becomes Manasseh in the midst of the, of the inheritance of Judah. That means that the tribe would lose its inheritance then. Do you understand the craziness of what's going on there? Okay, We don't think that way, but the integrity of the inheritance was what was going on here. So the question arose concerning the properties of daughters who married men from other tribes. And that would happen, right? I mean, that would happen. Okay? So the concern was that this would create a situation that resulted in the loss of tribal lands. So that's the concern. We're going to have a situation where tribes are going to lose their inheritance because our girls are going to marry somebody else. Okay? Our girls are going to marry somebody else. So therefore, Moses commanded that the daughters marry only within their father's clan. Isn't that wonderful? These girls can only marry within their own tribe. 
within their own clans. And then this became the law throughout Israel after that. If there is a daughter where the family has no male heir, and she is the one who receives the possession, she can only marry within her tribe. That's a pretty, pretty, pretty wise thing. Now you say, what? That's kind of constricting, keeping her from, what if there's somebody in these other tribes that's better than, no, no, that's not what the, the issue is, is the tribes receiving their inheritance, okay? The tribes receiving their inheritance. All right, let's go on. So then the book of Numbers closes. So let's look with me at verse 36. A lot of times people will say, oh, well, who's the, who's the author? It can't be, can't be Moses. Who's the author? Well, if you go over to Numbers 36, and I'll read you verse 14. Excuse me, verse 13. These are the commandments and the judgments which the Lord commanded the children of Israel. And notice what it says here. By the hand of Moses in the plains of Moab, by the Jordan, across from Jericho. All right, now, what's, what's significant about that statement, by the hand of Moses? What's significant? By the hand. Why not by the word? Yeah, it's written by his own hand. So when you look here, the last part of this is saying, what you have recorded in Numbers is what God told Moses to write. And he wrote it. Okay, so what you have in Numbers came from the Lord for who? Israel. And for us. Okay? And that's what you see there. A confirmation of Moses being the author. Alright? Alright, so next time we're going to look at Deuteronomy. We're going to do an introduction to the book of Deuteronomy.